Tonight, the trucker's convoy changes Canadian politics, whether the establishment likes it or not. It's January 31st, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon yeah. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say is I'm standing on Parliament Hill. We can't get any closer to the actual building. It's still under renovations. The giant lawn outside Parliament Hill is therefore halfway cut off. But as you can see behind me, there are thousands of convoy truckers who have come to this city it's already Sunday. I'm filming this for my Monday show. It's about minus 20 degrees, so it's incredible how many people are here. I thought I would film my monologue from the fields on Parliament Hill rather than from the studio. Instead of a script where I write things out in advance, I've just got some notes, so forgive me if I'm not quite as fluent as I sometimes am. I want to tell you my impressions and my observations and what I think you might have seen if you were following the story from home. I think the first thing to say is, I believe we may have witnessed the largest political protest in Canadian history. Now, I don't think we'll actually ever know for sure, because I don't think we can actually trust the authorities who usually make such counts. We also saw that those same authorities took active steps to make it hard for us to get the facts. For example, they closed down bridges and entire highways in advance of the convoy coming to make it hard for them to come. Look at this tweet from the Ottawa police simply declaring that the city was full and no one was allowed to enter it while there were thousands of trucks on the way. I don't know how many people set out, joined the convoy for a part and then broke away to go back home, but across the country, the number of people who were at least on part of the route and the number of the people who came out to cheer on the truckers from overpasses or the side of the road probably was in the hundreds of thousands. I'm not sure if I'll go as far as saying a million, but it was definitely in the hundreds of thousands. The closest thing I can think of in terms of a mass gathering would have been the giant protest or rally in Montreal in 1995, I believe it was, when Quebec was on the eve of a separatist referendum. The difference though is that one was financed and organized by the establishment, by the government, by political parties. This trucker's convoy is the opposite. Every political party, every establishment, every media denounced it and still they came. I want to tell you what I saw versus what the government narrative was. I saw people who had never been to a political protest in their life never been in a political party. This was the first time they ever did anything in the public sphere. And what's so interesting is to see how hopeful they were. I haven't seen this many Canadian flags in one place in years. I heard people spontaneously singing O Canada, like walking down the street singing O Canada. I, I don't know if I've ever seen that. And people are so hopeful. They're having fun. It's so cold, I can't tell you how cold it's been, but people were out dancing till after midnight. So you can hear the symphony of horns. They did not stop. I don't know, I went to bed around 1.30 last night. The horns did not stop. I just had to sort of put them out of my mind. 
Um, a lot of people were first timers, and so obviously, if they would have voted in the past, especially in 2015, they would absolutely have been Justin Trudeau voters. Absolutely. The number of young women, the number of indigenous people, the number of Sikh people here, those used to be considered Justin Trudeau's base. It's quite something to see millennials absolutely seeing through Trudeau. And it's even more amazing to see minorities who were told don't go on that racist convoy to go and to defend it. Here's my favorite clip of the weekend when my friend Lincoln Jay interviewed some Antifa protester calling everyone racist and then a man who I, I presume he was Sikh, I don't know, maybe he was some other minority, said, nah, let me handle this one, mate. Take a look at this. What did it say, sorry? So it says, F your white nationalist agenda. I am not a white. This is nothing to do about white. This is nothing to do with truckers. This is about freedom for all of Canadians. You can be brown, black, white, blue, whatever color you want to be. This is about freedom. And Trudeau has no right to put us in this condition of mandates throughout the country. Children are not going to school. It's a terrible thing to do. Wasn't that guy great? He just happened to be there. There are so many, one of the reasons is that the trucking industry has so many minorities in it, including for whatever reason, a lot of Sikhs. And I discovered a tremendous number of Sikh freedom activists who are so eloquent. Here's one of my favorite guys. I follow him on TikTok now. Again, that used to be a place dominated by the Trudeau side. Take a look at this guy. You know what was the vibe over there in Ottawa today? It's like freedom over fear, love over hate, freedom over fear, love over hate, unity, freedom, unity, freedom. This is the wife was there, man. And make your slogans and do it. Go all, all the way in. And I, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm gonna sleep tonight, if I'm sleeping. On, in my dreams, I'm gonna be in the Ottawa, right? So see you guys in the dream, all right? Good night. I love that guy. And did you know there's something called the Seek Freedom Alliance? I didn't know about it. Now I do, and now you do. Take a look. Hello everybody. Now, I'm not emphasizing these people because they're Sikh or black or indigenous. I, I don't think I would normally mention that, maybe in passing, but I mention it because one of the chief arguments against this rally, the chief slanders, is that it's somehow some racist white nationalist thing. It's simply not the case. Here's a clip from some Antifa type, some woke person who was standing quietly at the side of the road. I actually went up to they, them, and asked, why do you think this is some white supremacist thing? I just want to play a clip for you of what they said. Uh, pretty weak stuff, take a look. Well, there are some people here who don't agree uh, with the protesters. 
uh, their counter protest. So I thought I'd ask them what they uh, what their point of view is. You can see their sign. The convoy organizers are white nationalists. The convoy drew attention to far right groups. You are privileged in their supporters if that doesn't disturb you. Uh, on what basis are you saying that they're white nationalists? I've seen a number of folks who are visible minorities, Sikhs, a lot of Sikh truckers. On what basis are you saying they're racist? I'm saying the organizers. So Kamara, Kamara Litz and Pat Kane are behind this. He's been promoting the Trump convoy and Tamara, Tamara Litz had, Tamara Litz had um, funded it. about Tamara Litz, she's a Métis woman, so she's she's indigenous. Yep. How can she be a white nationalist if she's actually Aboriginal? So white nationalism isn't an ideology, it doesn't belong to one race, it's just to promote the white power that they have in, in society. So, so, so you think that as a Métis woman, she's actually a white, a, a white nationalist who isn't white? I say that she, I say that she is because she's had ties to the yellow, the yellow vest. And they them realized that that was pretty stupid, but the CBC, the CTV, the mainstream media, the they've been absolutely unhinged. You think I'm kidding? Here is an actual CBC anchor. Get this, swear to God, saying that this whole trucker convoy was organized. I swear I'm not making this up by Vladimir Putin. Just take a look at this. I do ask that because, uh, you know, given Canada's support of Ukraine in this current crisis with Russia, it, I don't know if it's far-fetched to ask, but, but there is concern that Russian actors could be continuing to fuel things uh, as, this, as this protest grows, but perhaps even instigating it from, from the outset. Well, again, I'm going to defer to uh, our uh, partners in the public safety, the uh, trained of, uh, officials and experts in that area. You know, the CBC looks down their nose at people, cause some conspiracy theorists. I have never heard anyone say anything as kooky as Vladimir Putin organized. I mean, that's Sasquatch stuff. That's UFO stuff. That's Loch Ness monster conspiracy theories. That's Justin Trudeau, state broadcaster. So let me tell you what they've been saying. Someone, I mean, a lot of people have signs and hats, and there's a Terry Fox sculpture here, a statue, and someone put a hat on him and a Canadian flag on him and put a placard in his hands. Take a look. Now, I don't think that's the right thing to do, but Terry Fox is not an actual saint or a religious icon. He was a great hero and a great Canadian, and I think it's probably inappropriate to put that on them. But look at the headlines. Terry Fox statue desecrated. Well, I don't think it was really sacred to begin with, but desecrated, it wasn't spray painted, it wasn't decapitated, it wasn't knocked over, and in fact, that was cleaned up pretty quickly. It's sort of funny to see the Toronto Star, the CBC, gnash their teeth about that. The same people who cheered when actual statues of John A. Macdonald, our founding father of Confederation, were toppled and decapitated. Take a look at this.
Now, I knew that these truckers were ordinary people, severely normal people. And I'm a, a Jew who's lived in Canada for 49 years. And I have to tell you, I've been to nine provinces and two territories. And I have never seen a Nazi, a Nazi flag, a Nazi incident in my life. 49 years I've been crisscrossing Canada. I think I've traveled more than most. I just simply have never, ever seen it. And I go to political places. I go to, quote, right-wing places. So I knew that demand exceeds supply, and there would be such a demand from the liberal war room, from Justin Trudeau, from the media, for something Nazi-ish, that if it didn't happen normally, which of course it wouldn't, that it would be manufactured, and indeed it was. And look at this, a picture of an actual Nazi swastika. But if you look carefully, it's not on Parliament Hill. And here's another picture of the same swastika at the Chateau Laurier Hotel. Give me a minute on that. The Chateau Laurier, if, if you don't know Ottawa, is the absolute fanciest, ritziest hotel in the city. I, I don't know. I'm guessing it's $400 a night. Um, their lobby bar always has cabinet ministers and lobbyists in it. It is the establishment cream of the crop for rich people. The idea that some trucker from the convoy would be staying at the Chateau Laurier for 400 bucks a night with his Nazi flag is too far to be believed. This is obviously a false flag, but every media ran with it so disgracefully. They all knew it was fake. They didn't care. They're the Jussie Smollett's of Canada. And I want to tell you that here on the ground, everyone is learning something. They're learning that they can no longer trust the Liberals. I think most of them had come to that point of view in advance. But I think they're learning that they cannot trust a word the media says, that the chasm between how the media has reported this event and what people see with their own eyes is so wide. I think that there's a political earthquake here for sure. I think just walking around the city, you can feel the difference. I am not allowed to go to any sit-down restaurants in Ontario. No one is, vaxxed or not. There, it's, there's a lockdown. I have eaten in sit-down restaurants the entire time I'm here. No mask, no vax pass. You put 50, 100,000 normal people in a city and the merchants are happy to have the business and the police don't dare try and enforce a mask mandate on You're gonna go around trying to get these people wearing masks. You better bring a few reinforcements. My, my point is, I think a lot of things have been transformed. A lot of Canadians realize they're not alone when they don't like the lockdowns and they say enough already. But everyone here and everyone who participated in some minor way they were on the convoy, they saw the convoy, they had a friend involved with it. I, I think the number of people who are directly involved or one degree of separation, the number of people who have some actual first or second hand knowledge about this is so large that when they compare that to what they see in the media party, they will come to the conclusion that you and I have, which is that they are simply untrustworthy subsidiaries of the political establishment. I think the media knows a huge political change is going on. I think they get that. But I don't think that they are self-aware enough to see there's enormous change in what people think of journalists in this country too. I want to talk just for one minute about something else. I, I mentioned this in my speech to the truckers, which I'll show you at the end of the monologue. I, when I checked in 
I, uh, I met someone who asked me, what about the memorandum of understanding? And I know what he's talking about. I'm a former lawyer, and a member of under memorandum of understanding is another way of saying sort of a preliminary contract or an agreement. It's an actual thing in law. But some of these truckers engaged in a little homemade lawyering and drafted something they called a memorandum of understanding, and they sought to present it to, I think, the Senate or the Governor General or something, thinking that that would cause Trudeau to resign or the Governor General to dismiss him or, or some constitutional miracle would happen. It, it's, it's sort of a goofy document because it's homemade and I'm not disparaging the intentions behind it, I'm just saying it's not a thing. There is no magic wand you can wave or spell you can cast to get Justin Trudeau out. There's just not. And so I don't think 1% of the people in the convoy actually know about this memorandum of understanding or have read it or understand it or agree with it. It's just something that some people did. But I think it gave some false hope to some people that there's a silver bullet here. And I think it gave an opportunity for the elites to mock the convoy saying, oh, you're just a bunch of dumb yokels. And I think that that's a little bit uh, dispiriting to some people who thought that something climactic would happen after the meeting. You have 100,000 people in Ottawa, they all come to Parliament Hill and then what? What's the ta-da? What's supposed to happen now? Well, the thing is, Justin Trudeau ran away. If you know that Monty Python movie, he bravely ran away. He came up with the most hilarious excuse. He didn't have COVID. He's triple vaxxed. He took a test that came negative, but on public health advice, he was hiding for five days. And then he said he was double, triple hiding because of security reasons. I want to show you a millennial on TikTok we made a joke about that. Take a look. I can't go out. Uh, uh, I'm sick. Yeah, so Justin Trudeau's not even here. Uh, I'm guessing 95% of MPs aren't here either. Believe it or not, bureaucrats were told to work from home for security reasons. They're so insistent that there's some violent thing happening. The only violence that's happened in Canada over the last two years is the police force has been weaponized against us for personal health choices. My point is, Justin Trudeau does not care what the people think. He calls these people names, he insults them, he calls them a fringe minority when he himself had the lowest vote share of any prime minister in history. Uh, I don't think he's moved by principle or by arguments of public interest. I think he is what he says he is, a fan of Castro, a fan of communist China, like his father was a fan of the Soviet Union. I don't think Justin Trudeau will be moved by anything. And I think what we have to do is realize that there's not some miracle that can dislodge Trudeau, but there is another miracle that happened. Hundreds of thousands of Canadians for once in their life thought they could speak up and have a voice, and they created a way for themselves outside of the existing media establishment, political establishment, cultural establishment, and they saw that when they dared to do that, the entire establishment mocked them, attacked them, and lied about them. I'll show you my speech to the truckers in a moment. I said, that's the point. The point of the truckers' convoy was the truckers' convoy. I, um, I want to close by telling you another observation I've made. 
other than Rebel News, which was greeted like heroes here, I think we had 10 or 12 reporters, and anyone with a Rebel News microphone flag was met like a hero, people asking for selfies and handshakes and hugs. It really was a wonderful feeling. I'm so glad our reporters who put up with so much BS from the rest of the industry see what people really think. I tell you, it was great to be a rebel here this weekend. The rest of the media, with a handful of exceptions, was simply abusive and smearing things from afar. They weren't even here. Ironically, and not surprisingly, the most sympathetic mainstream media coverage of this event was... <laughs> you get a bit of that here, too. The most sympathetic and accurate coverage of this protest was from foreign media. Look at the Daily Mail. They covered the pros and the cons and the ups and the downs, but they weren't snide. They weren't snobby. They weren't lying. Fox News, Newsmax, American networks, British networks have covered this more accurately and more honestly than Canada's own media. This was an amazing weekend. I'm so glad I'm here. I'm so glad Rebel News has covered it. And we're not done covering it yet, by the way. Go to convoyreports.com to see our ongoing coverage. This was the moment when a million other Canadians said, you know what? I'm a rebel too. Stay with us for more. Well, most of Parliament has fled. Justin Trudeau is in hiding. Who knows if he's even in the country? He's probably in the Bahamas. But one of the MPs who's here today, walking around talking to people, is our friend Leslin Lewis, the Conservative Member of Parliament from Haldeman, Norfolk. What a pleasure to have you. Nice to be here. Nice to see you again, Ezra. Well, likewise. Did I say the name of your riding correctly? You sure did. Okay, well, that's great. Um, the first thing I want to say is, why are you here? Other MPs have chosen to avoid it, even to criticize it. Why did you decide to come? I think any time the, the people have spoken, that it's our obligation to listen to the people who pay our salaries. So I think it's very important that we're here, that we listen to the concerns, that we meet them, and that we hear what's on their hearts. One of the things that the establishment has said about the convoy is that it's immoral in some way. It's either racist or sexist, extremist or violent. Uh, what are your observations? Well, that's what they say to keep good people away because good people wouldn't want to be associated with those labels. So they throw out those labels so that people will be afraid to stand up for their democratic rights. What I've seen, I've seen family members, I've seen young children, I've seen people picking up garbage so that they don't have, so that the city doesn't have to come and do it. I've seen people bringing latrines so that they could have a place to use the washroom. I've seen people by the side of the road making food for strangers. I've seen brother and sisterly love and I've seen people fight for their democracy and I've seen people stand up and tell the government that they've gone too far and that is their democratic right to do so. In the background uh, you can hear the uh, drumming of indigenous drums. There has been a large Aboriginal contingent here. Even the organizer of the convoy herself is a Métis woman. Uh, you use the word unity. I feel that too. Do you think there's almost a new political coalition that's being fused here? Because there's people here who have never been political before. Uh, 
who probably would have voted for Justin Trudeau in 2015. Is something new taking shape here? Oh, absolutely. This transcends partisan politics. This is about freedoms. This is about uh, choice. This is about your rights. And when governments use hate to divide, the people start to see through it. And once their eyes are open, it's never closed again. And so people don't care what party you belong to. People don't care whether you're conservative or liberal. All they know is that they've done what's right. Many people have are double and triple vaccinated here, and they're still under lockdowns. And so that so their their eyes are opening, and they're saying there's something wrong with the mandate. The mandates don't work. We're tired. We want conversation and politicians are running from the same people that they were elected to represent. That is not right. I I agree with those things. I feel and I want to be very candid with you. I feel that the Conservative Party federally and in the provinces where it's in power, Ontario and Alberta come to mind, provincially those governments have imposed mandates. In fact, in my original province of Alberta, they've even locked up pastors who keep their churches open uh, in the face of the lockdown. I have felt like the Conservative Party federally was reluctant to take that head on. But I feel like in the last few days, this convoy has given courage to Conservative MPs, uh, a number of whom have come out. What do you think of my analysis? Well... Our leader, Aaron O'Toole, has always uh, stood up and said that we believe in reasonable accommodations. And so that's always been a part of our platform. With respect to the provincial side, we don't have any control over provincial mandates. The federal side, yes, I've, I've spoken out and I've said it is wrong that a Canadian cannot get on a plane, cannot get on a boat, cannot get on a train that is federally regulated because Justin Trudeau has spread this rumor that unvaccinated people People are boogeymen. Now that we're two years into this into this pandemic, and we know that COVID is now endemic, I bet you you don't. There's nobody that doesn't know somebody that hasn't had COVID. Yeah. And so we're at the point now we, where we say we have to learn to live with it. And you're not going to get COVID by sitting beside an unvaccinated person who doesn't have COVID. And so that was a lie. And the people have woken up and they've seen that they've been lied to and they want answers and they deserve those answers. One of the things of the last, it's, it's ironic in a way that we're in front of Parliament Hill uh, or on Parliament Hill because so many of the decisions of the last, last two years have not been made by parliamentarians. Many of the particular rules have not been voted on. They've been issued by public health officers, provincially, at the city level, and even Theresa Tam federally. Um, do you think it's time to remove the emergency powers from the public health, I call it the deep state, because no one voted them in. No one heard their names until two years ago, and they, they become powerful political actors. Is it time to take the democracy back from public health officers and put it into legislatures again? Absolutely. We know it's time because medical officers of health around the country are saying that it's time. They're coming out and saying that it's time for us to move on. It's time for us to learn how to be safe and healthy and live with COVID. And it's time to restore the freedoms. And today is indicative of the fact that it's time. I got one last question for you. And by the way, I appreciate I know there's so many people here you want to talk to. Thanks for making time for us. Justin Trudeau has announced that he has purchased 
or sign contracts um, for hundreds of millions more doses. I think he said 400 million or some enormous figure. And uh, I know the government has plans to acquire them for years to come. Uh, I suppose he would say, well, that's just, you know, better safe than sorry. It's like an insurance policy. Are you worried that two boost, two shots and a booster will turn into four, five, six, as like in Israel, they're on shot number four, starting shot number five. Do you think that that we should reassess this endless plan for a series of boosters? Do you feel comfortable taking on that issue? Well, I'm not a medical doctor. My doctorate is in, is in law, so yeah. I am comfortable talking about rights. Yeah. And my issue is that I believe that even if the whole world is vaccinated, it should be done on informed consent. I believe in informed consent. So my issue here is not about whether you're vaccinated or you're not vaccinated because the group of people here are comprised of people who are no longer afraid of each other. They're both vaccinated and unvaccinated. So I'm here because I want to hear from people about the mandates and the mandates that have caused families to be apart, that have caused brothers and sisters not to want to see each other, parents not want to see their children, grandparents not want to see their grandchildren. These are the things that we need healing for in this country. And I would like to move us forward in a spirit of unity. There you have it, Leslyn Lewis, Member of Parliament for Haldeman, Norfolk. Pleasure to talk with you. Thanks for being here. Pleasure. Right on. Stay warm. Stay with us. More ahead. Well, what an interesting weekend it was. I enjoyed talking with Leslyn Lewis. I think Conservative MPs are allowed to speak a little more honestly now than they have been over the last two years. Um, there's still, you know, Aaron O'Toole is, is facing a number of MPs who've clearly lost patience with him. His initial response to the convoy was really to uh, ghost them, as the kids say. But I think there was one measurement I want to tell you and it's the GoFundMe for the truckers. I don't know how that ended. Last I saw, it was like $8 million. Maybe it stopped. I don't know. They had a lot of questions of could they get the money out or not. Frankly, I don't know how much they need because I think most truckers were happy to pay their own gas and their own meals. Of course, they should get the money. It was intended for them by donors. But as I said in my speech to the truckers, whether or not they got it is almost secondary. Because the fact that $8 million, the largest Canadian crowdfund I've ever heard of, was given by tens of thousands of people for the truckers, that shows that there's a political movement and there's an appetite for this that has not been met by the, quote, officials. Frankly, that money could have been raised by the Conservative Party of Canada had they shown any courage, like Ron DeSantis in the States or other U.S. governors. So I I think that what we see around here is something new. I don't know what form it'll take in the future. I know that the government and the other establishments want it to peter out. I see in opinion polls that the People's Party, I saw an opinion poll that put them at 13%, just a few points behind the NDP. So I don't know what will come from this, but it's too big to be swept under the rug. And I actually think it's too big to be demonized by the media party that I think has probably broken itself this weekend more than it broke the movement. Well, that's the show for today. Until tomorrow when I'm warmer back in Toronto. On behalf of all of us here at Rebel World's, well, I guess I used to say Rebel World Headquarters, 
We're back at Canada's headquarters in Ottawa. Good night. Keep fighting for freedom. And let me leave you with a short speech I gave to the truckers. I was invited up on stage and I just let her rip. I'll say goodbye and leave you with that. See you tomorrow. Anyone else? Give up the 